Pokemon universe has brought the world television cartoons, trading cards, video games, plush toys, the mobile game sensation Pokemon Go, and a string of animated movies. Now the franchise makes the leap into live action with a big-budget summer blockbuster called Pokemon Detective Pikachu. It's got Justice Smith, Bill Nye, Catherine Newton, Ken Watanabe, the voice of Ryan Reynolds, and many dozens of different CGI Pokemon. I'm Stephen Thompson. On this episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour, we are talking Pokemon Detective Pikachu, so don't go away. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Gelmar, maker of CLR. For some of life's mucky moments, there's CLR. From soap scum to bicycle rust, CLR gets rid of household grime using natural ingredients, not harsh chemicals. It even carries the EPA's Safer Choice seal. Use it to dissolve calcium, lime, and rust all around your house. Go to clrbrands.com today to learn more about how to keep your piece of the planet muck-free. CLR, making the world a little cleaner. Welcome back. Joining me in the studio is Daisy Rosario, soon to be an executive producer at Stitcher. Hello, Daisy. Hello. It is a pleasure to have you here. Also joining us from the WNYC studios are Kathy Tu and Tobin Lowe, the co-hosts of the wonderful podcast. Nancy, welcome back to the show. Hello. Hi. It is a pleasure to have everybody here to talk about this momentous cinematic <laughs> occasion. Okay, so a quick plot synopsis. Justice Smith is a young loner who gets the news that his estranged father has died while investigating a case involving the adorable pocket monsters known as Pokemon. So he heads over to Rhyme City, a place where humans and Pokemon interact in harmony and discovers that he can actually hold conversations with one particular Pikachu who speaks in the voice of Ryan Reynolds. Together, they try to solve a life and death death mystery. Uh, so I'm going to start with you, Daisy, because sure. you're in the room. What did you think of the movie? And if you can throw in for us, what is your relationship to Pokemon going into your viewing of this film? Yes. Okay. So my relationship to Pokemon is kind of strange in that I love Pikachu specifically. Sure. Like a lot of friends know that I love <laughs> Pikachu. Uh, you had a thing. phone case. I have a Pikachu phone case, yes. which I always say like the <laughs> amount of human interaction that this thing creates in my life. Like if I'm at a bar at the airport, the TSA always smiles when I scan my boarding pass. Like it is a big part of my life. And yet I don't know a ton about Pokemon overall. Okay. I didn't I was like just old enough to not really to like miss it growing up with it, but I love cute things and sure. I especially love small cute <laughs> things that can be deadly. So I love Pikachu. <laughs> so it was interesting to kind of see the rest of the world filled out for me in a in a way. I mean, I know I've learned more about Pokémon as time has gone on. It was funny and it was strange and I mean in general the movie was Fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it very much felt like it was for kids, right? And I feel like I know enough and even saw some interactions with parents where I think like when you make a movie like this that can really sing, it's when the adults can get really interested in it as well. Even your it's your Lego movie. For the, yes, that's mm -hmm. a great example. And so I think this one kind of failed there a little bit. I remember when I was leaving the theater, even, there was, like, a father and a, a little boy, adorable little boy, and the father clearly didn't like the movie that much, and the son just kept being like, why? 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 Because it was, like, the greatest thing in the world to the kid, right? And I think, like, you know... Sometimes Speaking you hit that sweet spot. This didn't quite, but that said, like, I would still love to look at Pikachu forever. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> as a dad, you got to keep that to yourself. Right? And hope that the kids don't listen to your podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you, Kathy? I grew up 
with all the Pokemon stuff. I watched a TV show. I played the game. I had some of the cards. My brother and I traded with each other. He usually won. And I think I'm pretty sure I watched all of the cartoon movies as well. So I love Pokemon growing up. And um, with this movie, I would say that the world of Pokemon I bought into, the world of Rhyme City I bought into, the plot, though, <laughs> kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> I think what didn't work for me was that this movie went so deep into, like, good versus evil a little too fast and far for a kid's movie for me. Usually I feel like this is like a trilogy situation and like a third movie maybe we'll get into like good versus evil in the world. But the first one, I just want to explore the world a little bit more. Sure. And we didn't really get as much of that. Mm. I hear that. How about you, uh, How about you, Tobin? So like Kathy, I was the perfect age for Pokemon to hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. I have a very specific memory of like playing the Game Boy game before bed and catching a sand shrew and then my mom turning the lights out and me like fist pumping the air because I've got a sand shrew. <laughs> like it was so deep for me. Um and so walking into this movie, you know, I'd seen the previews where they had made this like very big choice to have Ryan Reynolds mm-hmm. voice Pikachu. And I kind of had this feeling of like, who is this movie for? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like Daisy, I, I felt like it hit the notes for young kids very well. And then I think they tried to make this big swing for doing something outside of the expected Pokemon trainer universe right. to catch the adults. And I appreciate it was a big swing. I think it worked-ish. Um, <laughs> and then I would say the other thing that sort of is influencing my take on this movie is in the original Pokemon series, the villains were always sort of bumbling. Yes. Like there was this dynamic mm-hmm. where Team Rocket I was just sort James. of like a exactly <laughs> just like a group full of goofy idiots. Yes, um, and you loved them, and that dynamic was really fun to see play out. And I missed that energy in this movie as they attempted to sort of do what they're doing with a lot of rebooted franchises, which is like, let's take this kiddie thing and adult it up and make it a little more sinister um, and add sort of that like Marvel action movie tones Mm -hmm. to it. So as an original Die Hard fan, I miss the idiot (laughs) villains. (laughs) I come at this movie from a completely different perspective. I'm too old to have really experienced it the first time around. I was aware of it. But when it first came up in the 90s, it was before I had kids. Mm -hmm. So most of it really passed me by. I saw kind of soundtracks and movies and I, I was aware of its work. Then I had kids. The kids collected the cards. The kids watched some of the cartoons, not so much the movies, really got into the video games where I was, again, like it was something I was buying for my kids, but not really aware of. But then I'm one of those weirdos <laughs> who got sucked into Pokemon Go. And when I say... Oh, wow. He's so into Pokemon Go, guys. And when I... Daisy knows. Daisy has seen this happen. I not only like got into Pokemon Go in the summer of 2016 when the entire world got into Pokemon Go, I have played every day since. Yeah, I have, he plays oh now. Gosh. I have never <laughs> stopped playing. So I caught a shiny Psyduck in Pokemon Go when I was buying tickets for the movie. I was thinking it was a conspiracy to help people who play Pokemon Go if they buy tickets to the movie. I have gotten really pulled in. And so for me, coming into this movie, 
I was interested in it entirely for the cinematic presentation of mm. all these different Gooby characters. Yeah. Pikachu, mm. I think, is adorable, but he's just one of the Pokemon that I catch. So seeing the different manifestations of how they render Psyduck. Uh, Psyduck looked a little bit like Howard the Duck um, <laughs> from, from, the, from the 80s attempt at a film adaptation. Yeah. I found myself sort of studying the margins of the screen. You know how you mm. see like a blockbuster movie where they just put in every face as a cameo. I had the experience of like every little critter was a cameo and I was trying to parse like who it was, have they been introduced in Pokemon Go yet? The movie (laughs) itself really continued to not interest me very much. Mm -hmm. The plot was Mm -hmm. so as Glenn Walden would say, on rails. Uh, (laughs) It felt both undercooked where I wanted a little bit more character development, but I think I would have been bored by that character development had they presented (laughs) it. Um, I think the idea of having an entirely new story, just scrapping all the Ash as a Pokemon Misty. trainer and, and yeah. The, yeah, the other characters in Team Rocket, even though I'm not as familiar with those characters because I've only seen a few of those cartoons, they're trying to develop a new story, but I just didn't find that story particularly interesting. Well, and I would add that, you know, this is based on a game. I've played the right. Detective Pikachu game. It's a different type of game than the other mm-hmm. ones, and it's got a very different storyline. And in that sense, it was... You know, even then it was it was like, I don't know, I've played that game for many, many, many hours. And I think, you know, we kind of covered that ground of that of that game even in like the first 20 minutes, maybe. I mean, it was just strange. As my partner said, as we were walking out of the theater, he was like, you know, that thing they say about when you're leaving the house, you should take off an accessory or two (laughs) and then your outfit is perfect. (laughs) This movie needed to take off two accessories before it left the house. (laughs) Just tried to do a little too much. It did. It really did try to do a little too much. Mm -hmm. I wanted to stay in that Pokemon world for a little bit because it was a nice setup. Like I was there for like Rhyme City, Harmonious World. And then I was intrigued by the mystery, too. But then as soon as they started to solve the mystery, I was like, mm-hmm. oh. Like, oh, I, just not great. <laughs> I get it now. I mean, that's, I guess, one of my questions for you guys as Pokemon enthusiasts. Like, how, like, this could be an origin story, right? Mm-hmm. How much did you want to spend on world building versus plot? So much more. <laughs> so much <laughs> So more. much more. Like, I, I loved Rhyme City. Like, I wanted to see it. I loved seeing the pairings. I thought it was really fun when we did get to see the other Pokemon. And as soon as it ended, I was like, wait, I didn't see enough actual Pokemon. Like, that's what I wanted. I wanted to see them yeah. do the different interactions, do the different things. Yeah. yeah, like, I just wish that there had been more of that. That was what was fun about it. I mean, it felt like they were trying to train Pokemon kids to become fans of Shane Black movies in the future. Like, <laughs> so strange, you know? But yeah, I wanted more of the actual Pokemon in that world. Well, as somebody who is a fan of the show, of of the games, and maybe not obsessive, I don't believe I found any Easter eggs in that world. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I wish there were just a little bit more of that. You know those moments when you want to nod, like, lean over to your partner and be like, did you catch that? Mm -hmm. That Uh, You wanted more cleverness. Yeah, and I didn't get that. I think I wanted more of that, like, a little bit more of a nod to the folks that have been around loving this franchise for such a long time. I could have used less of, like, I don't know, the leader is, like, an older white dude (laughs) in this (laughs) semi-Asian city. <laughs> right. Very diverse. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah, I appreciated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think for me, I feel 
conflicted about like how much more world building I wanted because I think even this film butted up against a problem that the Pokemon universe has in general, which is that some Pokemon seem to be more sentient and have more complex thoughts than others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and true. so like, for example, there's a wonderful sequence with Mr. Mime, which I actually really enjoyed <laughs> and I wish they had done more with the absurd sort of comedy scenes. But I couldn't help thinking the whole time, oh, Mr. Mime's just a person. Like, he, he, <laughs> he has full-on complicated thoughts, can understand English, has, like, four limbs, walks like a person, has a human face. So the world in which he is captured and trained is actually really messed up. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I kind of found myself being like, I don't know how much more they can expand the universe without hitting some really complicated logistical logic <laughs> questions. And about, ethical. Like, <laughs> exactly. And the ethical questions. Right, right. So that's where my, you know, twisted, messed up mind went. Yeah, I, re- <laughs> <laughs> I remember when, when Glenn wrote about uh, Pokemon Go, he referred to the Pokemon of this world as slave gladiators. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, the fact that some of them have, like, facial features and, and f- <laughs> like, fully articulated thoughts is a little bit, a little bit disturbing. Did some of the Pokemon in this movie seem like they were animated differently than the others. A like little. Pikachu, yes. 100%. Like Pikachu was furry and adorable and like rendered, I felt, very, very carefully. Whereas like some of the others seemed like they had been spliced in from Ghostbusters. Yeah. I wondered if for some of the Pokemon, if you had sort of the Sonic the Hedgehog problem, <laughs> which is... You know, Sonic the Hedgehog, they recently put out that preview and everyone was like, oh, I don't like it when he's hyper-realistic. Like, you lose the cartoony vibe. When he has yeah. human and teeth. S- exactly. <laughs> and so I wondered if they were caught in a tough cross-section of, like, some of the Pokemon look great if you give them fur and a sheen and, like, mm. you know, hyper-realistic eyes. And then some of them just, like, creep you out because they're in, <laughs> you know, it's just too real. Like, I don't want to see mm. Mr. Mime with, like, pores right. <laughs> you know I did feel like Pikachu was definitely more realistic than the other ones but I thought that Pikachu looked like a plush toy the entire yeah. time there is a scene where Pikachu and Ryan Reynolds voicing Pikachu have to be sort of emotional and have a very sincere moment mm. and I did have a moment in the theater watching being like wow they really pulled this off like between Ryan Reynolds giving an acting performance and Pikachu yeah being animated with sort of sad eyes and being empathetic, I bought that moment of emotion Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. Pikachu. Ryan Reynolds is a skilled voice actor. He has done a Mm -hmm. lot of animated movies. He's the snail in Turbo. He is definitely somebody who can dependably emote and understands how to pull off a voice like that. It it is part uh, part of his arsenal. I also do want to acknowledge, like, I liked Justice Smith considering this movie. Like, I believed him at first of being, like, weary about everything. I do appreciate that there's another universe where this movie is an outright disaster (laughs) because you cast an adult man to voice Pikachu. There's a lot of jumps in believability and a lot of, like, sort of jumps in logic that you have to make to believe the plot. And so if there is anything that holds it together, I do think the performances by the actors are very good and you're willing to go along with it because they sort of help you with the believability. And and they're very, I would say, pretty authentic in a movie that 
doesn't have a lot of authenticity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they mm-hmm. actually do mm-hmm. seem like they care and they're invested. And, you know, also, again, yeah. to be fair, like the Detective Pikachu game, Pikachu mm-hmm. has a voice in that game as well. And it's much gruffer. He sounds like a little Danny DeVito. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like he really does. Adorable. Yeah. I learned something today. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what that's what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> the more you know. All right. That brings us to the end of our show. You can follow Kathy at underscore Kathy2. You can follow Tobin at Tobin Low, And you can follow Daisy at RunDMR. Thanks to all of you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks. And of course, thank you for listening. If you have a second and you're so inclined, please subscribe to our newsletter at npr.org slash newsletter. We will see you all right back here on Friday when we will be talking about John Wick 3. 1965, a darkened street corner in Selma, Alabama, and a murder. A new podcast exposes the lies that kept this murder from being solved. And explores memory, myth, and accountability for a crime at the heart of the civil rights movement. From NPR, White Lies. Listen and subscribe now.